tonight, the biggest singing show in the entire world. This is Game Shows, I suppose. And welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing that I know something about game shows. I suppose I'm your host, Jordan Haas. Uh, we have a good episode today. We're talking about the Eurovision Song Contest with my best friend Ian. So it's going to be a lot of fun uh, having like a close personal friend of yours show up on a game show podcast and talking about one of their areas of expertise. Um, it was a fun episode. Uh, but before we get to that, we got to get through the segment that everyone loves. The news. All right. Well, first, let's get through some exciting news here. Singled out got a season two pickup by Quibi. Why? Why? <laughs> like, do people still have? I mean, I deleted it like after three weeks. Like, I couldn't even go through the full month. I I, I canceled and I'm like, nah, I'm good. Most people who got like the free trial, it it's going to be over. July 3rd, so you're probably should probably stop right now before you have to end up making a payment to to the Quibi folks, because uh, it's just nah. I mean the 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 single DAO would with uh, the that was on there was pretty good actually. It was a very fun singled out. A lot of people had pre existing con- like relations with the contestant, and that, that that's actually pretty clever. But why don't you just make it a full-on TV show? Why don't you just fucking put on you Like, don't do YouTube. Don't do Quibi. Just fucking make a half-hour TV show. I don't know why we decided we should stop doing half-hour TV shows. Half-hours are actually pretty good. You can actually kind of get the entire beginning, middle, and end done in about half an hour. Some game, some like TV shows are still a half hour. Some sitcoms are still a half hour. Some dramas are still a half hour. And we kind of just stopped doing that, I think, because of budgetary reasons or production reasons or some other reason. But hey, you can just put two episodes of Singled Out back to back or just stretch out one whole game of Singled Out to be a whole half hour. It really doesn't matter. But the, the Quibi eight to ten minute thing, it. You could just do two two games, stretch out for comedy. That's it. The format works. The 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 two hosts work. You just have a bad platform. But uh, they also did a season two of Punk, but that's not a game show. Uh, okay, so uh, July eleventh, which is twelve days from now, eleven days from now. Uh, unfiltered originally. It was going to be called Game Face, but but get this: there's a new show coming soon uh, called Celebrity Game Face with, with with Kevin Hart. So they changed the name to be Unfiltered. Uh, so so the game is going to debut July 11. Uh, for for a reason, I actually do enjoy Jay Farah. 
I think he's a great comedian, great funny person. Uh, he's hosting Nickelodeon's Unfiltered. Uh, the remotely produced six-episode game show features panelists Darcy Lynn and All That's Lex Lumpkin and Gabriel Nea Green, who must guess the identities of virtually disguised celebrity guests. Uh, as a person who likes to transform and play multiple characters, I always love a good disguise, and I can't wait to see which panelists will be able to figure out our guest identities. Nickelodeon's Unfiltered is going to be an outrageously good time. We have some big names and surprises you really don't want to miss. So basically, this is the new Masquerade Party. Nickelodeon is bringing back Masquerade Party, this old-time game show. People say it's the Masked Singer, but Masquerade Party was basically a precursor to that. And this seems like a very interesting format. Uh, each episode will feature celebrity guests whose true identities are hidden behind an animated 3D filter and voice changer. While the panel deciphers the mystery through rounds of Q&A, wacky trivia, and hilarious game competitions, the first panelist to guess to start hiding behind the filter wins the round. Viewers can get on the fun by downloading the show's filters and transform into the same digital characters as their favorite celebrities. It's clever. It's crafty. This, this seems like a good kind of format to do because it's basically Zoom call mess up masquerade party. And I kind of think that for a 21st century approach, this would work. So considering how many people do the Snapchat filters and, and, and Instagram filters and all this other kind of wacky characters... This could work, and I really hope this, this this becomes a success for Nickelodeon. They have been hitting it out of the park in the unscripted department for, for a while there. Things like the Crystal Maze, things like Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, Top Elf. Okay, not really. Uh, but... But no, like they've been doing a lot of, of, of exciting contests, so this might actually be a fun little kid show as well. Uh, and, and it seems like they're trying to go for a celebrity panel approach. I When I was originally seeing the pitch, I thought it was going to be actual kids trying to figure it out to win a prize. So maybe they didn't want to do that uh, in favor of all that. <laughs> also, August 14th. Eco Challenge Fiji comes to Amazon Prime Video. This 10-episode adventure series hosted by Bear Grylls and executive produced by Mark Mett tells the story of the ultimate expedition race in which 66 teams from 30 countries race nonstop for 11 days, 24 hours a day, hundreds of miles in rugged Fijian terrain complete with mountains, jungles, and oceans. Uh, so this is basically Mark Burnett. Uh, before he was Survivor, he did the Eco Challenge, and that was a success in the cable networks. Uh, so film last fall in Fiji, world's toughest race. Remember last fall, so you got to think November 2019. Um, Fiji was a race for a finish for 330 competitors. However, the greatest challenges are not the competing teams, but the unforgiven 671 kilometers of terrain, which stands between all those competing in the finish line. Viewers worldwide will see the limits of human physical and mental endurance tested like never before. At its core, world's toughest race colon eco challenge Fiji is about perseverance. People, I guess, why don't know? Why are they calling it world's toughest race? Just call it Eco Challenge, or I don't know. Uh, people from all walks of life, every corner of the globe, join together to overcome its most incredible obstacles. The challenges lie both within the course itself and the competitors' equally daunting physical strug personal struggles, which are only magnified by the demands of the expedition. The series, produced by MGM Television, associated with Amazon Studios, comes from an award-winning team, uh, including host and executive producer Bear Grylls, showrunner and executive producer Elisa Hennessy, uh, who also did the previous Eco Challenge, executive producers Mark Burnett, Survivor of the Voice, Eric Van Wagner of Survivor of the Amazing Race, Barry Posnick for MGM Studios, and Delbert Chupan, Grylls' producing partner. So this is actually going to be a, an interesting thing. 
I don't like the name World's Toughest Race. I, I think, like, I'm getting sick of of superlatives as titles for TV shows. World's Most Dangerous, the Fastest, the Smartest, the Greatest, the Biggest. Cause, cause it's it never is, and I always think you're 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 promising something you can't keep. Uh, it's world's toughest race. It's like tough as nails on CBS. Like it's tough. You're gonna be tough, and it's like, well, no, it's it's just a wilderness race. You call it wilderness race. The great wilderness race. Uh, the the beat the elements. Call in Fiji. Race against time. Colin Fiji, Ra- race against the wilderness. Colin Fiji, the race against nature. Colin Fiji, the great eco, the great eco challenge. Colin Fiji, like it's something other than world's toughest race. Colin eco challenge Fiji, because you're just rebooting the eco challenge. You're trekking across the jungles and the wilderness. And going through rapids and all this other cool adventurous things. Focus on that. Don't do world's toughest race. I've seen the amazing race. I have seen man versus nature. I watched Bear Grill. What what's making this the world's toughest race? Other than I don't know, they're not gonna have food. They have to find their own food. Isn't that tough? That that's been the premise for like eighteen different survival shows already on TV, like Survivor Man and. Man versus nature and, and naked and afraid. D- d- stop. Anyway, now we're going to com- uh, the the business side of things. ITV America strikes overall deal with Nobody's Hero, run by former magical elves Christopher Potts and John T. Nash. Christopher Potts and John T. Nash, who are the creative minds behind Netflix's series, Nailed It and Sugar Rush, which, by the way, is a fun show. I should probably have reviewed that show, shouldn't I? Uh, signing an overall deal with ITV America. The pair, which helped uh, NBC's British series Bay and Chelsea, will work with the Love Island producer via their recently production label, Nobody's Hero. So there's their whole focus is to create offbeat reality shows and work alongside the ITV team. Uh, that, that's it. The duo first crossed paths in the UK-based Tiger Aspect. Uh, they worked on different shows like Dancing with the Stars, uh, shepherding things like Top Chef Jr., Nolan of Cam Newton on Nickelodeon, and Cleveland Hustles and CNBC. So there were a lot of documentary series as well. Uh, the, they worked on different things like Almost Impossible Game Show and Brain Games and Kevin Hart colon, Don't Fuck It Up. So I, I think this is a good partnership uh, because if you're going to go for a relevant and docu-series things, I think they might have had the perfect combination here. Because uh, they clearly have like a, a good vision for like what's the memeable shows. Almost like every single show that so far on their track record has become kind of like a cult phenomenon online and has the internet buzz. So to acquire them with Made in Chelsea, which is this, I hate to say like Jersey Shore because there's already a Jordy Shore over there and it only is Essex, but if you can focus those two together and make like you could end up having like the strangest greatest reality competition shows that will be in like the later part of 2020 as big as the circle today so i think that's a good pairing i'm trying to figure out like what would they do kind of like um not just like like people like almost like a reality show version generation game like people messing up all the time and then confessionals like 
and did what I could. That sounds like most of the shows that would be in their library. Uh, that's not the only one. Uh, Gurren Company strikes unscripted development deal with British producer Strawberry Blonde. Uh, if longtime fans of the show know, Phil Gurren uh, is, is one of the great minds of game shows. Uh, the, the mind who decided to put Weakest Link to America uh, with Ann Robinson and the Million Dollar Prize and, and You Are the Weakest Link, goodbye. Uh, and he's now currently working on Shark Tank. So he also has that in mind for what's another good classic format. And now uh, Strawberry Blonde, uh, who has worked on different things like 24 Hours from Here, Wedding Race, and the show Mailed, Mauled In, comedy format comic attraction broadcasters. The Gurren Company uh, produces Canadian competition format Fridge Wars, which I think is coming to CW. That was the CW announcement along with Taskmaster. Uh, and NBC's The Singing Bee. Uh, Strawberry Blonde did the playlist and the Great Big Dig. Uh, so they're going to merge the two together with music. So here's what I'm thinking. Here's here's exactly what I'm approaching here. Because Strawberry Blonde does a lot of teen, young adult music base. And Gurren has a focus on British shows, international formats, tinkering to make it more Americanized as well as figuring out what American viewers kind of eye. He has he kind of can read your vision of what you liked about Shark Tank and put more of it. That's why people are still watching to see, like, what's the weirdest inventions coming up next. Um, so, so I'm going to take a stab in the dark here and say, with those two together, you're going to end up seeing a new music competition show that's going to feel like a what like like a show that has already existed in Korea, like I can see your voice or the Masked Singer, but it wasn't, and it's going to be something that started either in the UK or Canada and then brought here just as the experiment, because something tells me this is going to be a good partnership. I know Phil Gurren loves live music. He was behind Osit, and there was live music on that show. So if there's a way you can get that live music feel, that big band Saturday evening kind of format to the States, I'm sure Phil and Strawberry Blonde can figure that out. I think you might end up seeing a Saturday show from these two in a time when Saturday evening shows is just SNL and nothing else. So I'm thinking there's going to be a music show from these two. I think there's going to be a new music competition show from these two. And I think there's going to be like a Saturday night fun evening show from them. And it's going to catch people by surprise because America doesn't really do Saturday night at the Palladium kind of shows. Um, finally, the daytime Emmys. We didn't talk about that, did we? Oh, well. Uh, mostly because I, 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 I we talked about nominees, but we didn't talk about who won. So... Uh, outstanding game show host. There was Pat Sajak, Alfonso Roberto, Steve Harvey, Wayne Brady, and the winner was Alex Trebek. Uh, obviously, Alex Trebek, one of the greatest game show hosts of all time. Uh, everyone's sending their well wishes for Trebek uh, because while everyone's still in hardship with COVID, he's facing an even more uh, severe uh, fight with cancer. So we're wishing all the best for Trebek. Uh, next, Outstanding Game Show, Price is Right, Family Feud, Double Dare, Fifth Grader, and the winner was Jeopardy, and Jeopardy, rightfully so, that is the ambassador for game shows. I always bring up, 
it the reason Jeopardy does so well and is the ambassador for game shows is because of those category selections. You watch it, yes, it's a game show, but it's a classic American game show in multiple ways. One, it's the betting aspect on the daily doubles and final Jeopardy, and two, it's that the fact that there's twelve categories and almost guaranteed you would know at least one of those twelve. There's a play along factor, like can you think of something that starts with a C? Can you think of an animal that has stripes? Things like that are basically what gets you screaming at the screen and you feel smart about it. You don't have to feel like you're the dumbest person because you don't know everything like the Jeopardy contestants, but it doesn't matter whether you're a sports guy, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a comic book artist, a video game programmer, uh, somebody who works as a teacher in the second grade. Somebody who works in a grocery store, somebody who works in, in a library, somebody who works in, in, as a nurse. There's always going to be one thing that you know in, in the subject boards that you just go, I know this, this is my category. And then you get pissed off when they don't pick the fucking category. I, I do that all the time. Uh, but anyway congrats to jeopardy congrats to alex trebek for the daytime emmy wins uh it's always the biggest nine game shows always one of the best and um i wish that we can like always just celebrate jeopardy and all these game shows instead of just one night now i know it didn't really get coverage that much but game shows are exciting and this was like the big award this is like the this is the best picture award in the world of game shows, and it went to Jeopardy. Rightfully so, but a lot of the competitors were also good shows, Feud and Price. But uh, I'm glad it went to Jeopardy. Uh, and now, let's start today's episode. Today's episode is the Eurovision Song Contest. By now, you probably have noticed that there is a movie out on Netflix with a very funny Will Ferrell uh, based on Eurovision. Now, I did not really plan on having it be this episode being up in time for a movie release. I tried to make sure this came out at the same time as the actual song contest, but as we all know, COVID-19 did ruin those chances, but I feel like there's still a love of Eurovision right now. And many people don't really consider it to be a game show. And in my mind, when I visualize Eurovision, I actually kind of see it as a global singing competition series akin to like World Idol. Remember World Idol? Maybe three of you do. It was a fun show. And the movie does a good job. I mean, like, the movie still kind of plays into that isn't this silly, isn't this silly? But at the same time, uh, <laughs> Graham Norton is in it, so that's going to be fun to discuss. Uh, and there's like actual like there's talented people, not just like Demi Lovato, but like the actual like cameos in the movie are from actual people who were once competitors in Eurovision. 
and I kind of wish we kind of heard more of their music and kind of saw it as more of like, look, this is an international competition that's fun and, and silly and, and all sorts of things with messages of hope. But, you know, it, it's it's fine. They wanted to go with the alternate route of silly costumes and silly accents, and that's their prerogative. Anyway, it's time to talk about the Eurovision Song Contest with one of the hosts of Funtime Calls, Ian. So let's turn the tables. With me on the line, from the popular podcast Funtime Calls, the guy I talk over all the time on that show, he finally gets to talk... My best friend, Ian. Hey, hey, you're the guy on Funtime Calls. You're the guy from Funtime Calls. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> How's it going, Ian? <laughs> it's going all right. Hang on a sec. Let me just turn my fan off. So oh, no problem. Uh, see, this is it's good because the other guy isn't here. That's how we know. <laughs> uh, no, this is a, a good episode. Uh, because today's episode is going to be one that is going to be one that rare. I don't really know much <laughs> about this. I only know like little bits and fragments. But the strangest thing is that my best friend here, Ian, who we I have known for over a decade now, is We're one of friend. the biggest experts on all things Eurovision. I'm and actually not. I, I just know a lot about it. Well, you love music. You you love music and global music and international music and. It's true, I do. So, so this is like a this is a, a big thing, and then it was like, well, I, I want to have Ian on to talk about Eurovision, and then it's like, but then the debate hits. Is this a game show? <laughs> like, I, I, I thought you were gonna say that is it okay to have an American here to talk about Eurovision? Oh, I'm so, Ian. I'm a fucking idiot that talks about German game shows for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> It's it's not only welcomed; it's pretty much par for the course. All right, we, we're trying now, to be now, American uh, ambassadors. Is basically what I'm trying to say. Now, now uh, to be fair, uh, audience um, listening to this, I did ask Jordan to uh, do something before this show, and he didn't do it. I'm not going to listen to every song from every you know, Eurovision. I didn't ask you to do that, though. No. That's not what I told you. And you could look at our chat and like see. I just said maybe check twenty the songs that were going to be in twenty twenty. Oh, the twenty twenty uh, yes, no, that I did do. That I did do. You're not listening right now. Well, twenty twenty one is twenty twenty. Dude, dude. I said listen to the songs from twenty twenty and rate them the same way the jury and or voters would have rated them. You could look at our call or look at our chat and you would see I said that. He didn't do it, audience. I'm sorry. I only... I will tell you I have top three. I didn't have a top, like, ten. Did you at least pay attention and notice what the difference is, though, of how the... Uh, the, the difference of how the top ten works for Eurovision, how it is different from many other um, top tens? Uh, so, yeah, I was, I was trying to get maybe, to, like... Maybe you, maybe you can clarify that for uh, our people here. Well, this is this is where you would be coming into... So, uh, the Eurovision Song Contest is, as far as a game show is concerned, it's a loose, it's a singing contest. It's a singing competition show, but it's not like any other singing show. It's not like the winner gets a singing contract or some big prestige thing where it's like, oh, the, the 
person gets like a record deal and a million dollars. There's, I don't even think there is a money. Like it basically is just like a gathering of different countries where they all bring in one artist, rather a singer or a group to perform Mm -hmm. a song that represents their country. Uh, Kind of. Yeah. The, all of the countries didn't have one other person to serve as their judge. Uh, No. And they vote in a ranked format, similar to F1 racing, where it's the top one gets the most points, and then it goes in reverse format. So I think it's 12, 10, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Uh, not quite. Not not quite. Not at all. Okay. I, so that's where he screwed up. No. If you've been paying attention, what it is is, well, you wouldn't know this part, but it's the, the, there's the, um, the performers and whoever their team is, because there's like the, the people who are like, helping promote them their support they have maybe friends or family their dancers and like whoever is like the like stage coordinator and designer of everything maybe and maybe also the producer of the song who like people who wrote it are there also for support what also is there is um we have our person our team there's a group of now five judges i don't remember how many there may have been in the past but there's around like five, six judges, I think, and they will rank the songs. The way songs are ranked, and they recently changed this, uh, but you have juries who will vote for one uh, songs to give one point, two point, three point, four point, five point, six point, seven points, and then you get eight points, ten points, and twelve points as the big points. You'll, you'll, if you pay attention to Eurovision, you'll hear the big douze point. <laughs> You know, you, just just to clarify, you didn't call me a douchebag. You said Duba, which I believe is twelve in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duba is <laughs> douchebag. <laughs> no, it's isn't that a du- Finnish? It's Finnish, no, right? It's French, dude. Douche point is very. Douche point is French. Uh, you're yeah, you're yeah. like you fucking idiot. You don't know French. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying, like, like here's the thing. You'll start picking up on maybe not understanding languages, but how languages sound if you watch a lot of Eurovision. That, unless you watch this. It depends on which feed you get, by the way. <laughs> There's only one feed. Well, like, who's the uh, commentator team? That That's different channels in different countries. There's only one feed, which is the official Eurovision one that, like, they put out there that you can't watch in the U.S. anymore. We're going to get to that because I think this is the call to bring it on. But, but like, where, where would you like me to explain next? All right. So the format is they got the votes. And is it one round or two rounds? I always forget. It's like there's a semifinal yeah. and a final. There's a, No, there's two semifinals now because there's just so many... Uh, there's just so many uh, countries participating because it used to be uh, there was one semifinal. Actually, there was no semifinals. Just they have the contest, and then a lot of them wanted to get in. And I believe around 1980 there was a semifinal that uh, it was audio only. Like they just sent these records in to this like group of jury judges, and they voted on it. So. What happened next is all those, all the ones that got voted in were able to go compete with uh, this other group of songs that uh, the countries that scored high in the last year before that. And frankly, uh, upper, they had um, hmm, around, uh, oh, around, I, I want to say, 
like the early 2000s, they started bringing in semifinals. But it got complicated, and the, the the rules aren't weren't very clear to a lot of people. Like for example, 2006. 2006 was my first Eurovision that I knew of when I first went and looked it up. Uh, I can get into that later how I found out about it. But uh, that year, the semifinal they had a semifinal for a certain set of songs because uh, all the songs that were in the top ten or all the countries that could be in the top ten the previous year were able to go straight to the final. But in uh, twenty in in uh, two thousand nine, they uh, no in two thousand eight they for the first time had two semifinals. You know what? That was the year. Two semifinals was the year I first saw Eurovision. So so two thousand eight. Yeah, <clears throat> two thousand eight was not, not, not the early two thousands, like you said. I said high school. <laughs> I said I first knew about Eurovision in high school before I, the call. I, I mean, uh, you were still in high school in two thousand eight. I graduated two thousand eight. Mm. Oh yeah, you were in that offset year kind of thing. Yeah. Uh. So. Uh. The, the, so then, then, of course, there's the finals. Then there's a champion, and then it, that's. Uh. So here's the double question here, because I think this is not really for me to answer, because I think I already know the answer. But this is for you. Now, What's if up? they go from the semifinals to the finals, do they sing the same song again? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you, don't pro- get, you don't get to change. It's always the same song. I should point that out because. Uh, once again, unlike other singing shows, they double uh they don't double up the song. It's this, this is a song contest. It's not about the performer. I is. mean, it is about the it is about the performer, but you're performing a specific song that's going to win. Not 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 like X Factor or American Idol. Like a lot of stupid people try to say, "Oh, this is just like that." Uh, <laughs> that's harsh, but you know, it's honest. You want it to be so. What you're saying is, you want the the Eurovision to be exactly like X Factor. Portugal. <laughs> that that's harsh, but it's uh, true because I remember seeing years and years of uh, articles going like, "What happens in the European version of American Idol?" And it's like people who like write these like fuck terrible uh, articles on like old cracked and whatnot. So, uh, look at these strange performers singing on the show. It's like what? No, they're just regular artists. But the point. So the point is, though, that like it's it's a song. Like you're you're submitting the song, you're submitting the artist as well, because like it's clout for like your performance. But this performance, this artist, and this song, the whole package of what you're sending to represent your country. And the song is supposed to represent not just your country, but basically benefit the world. So it's basically like either songs about world <laughs> peace. <laughs> Uh, diversity love acceptance being strong being powerful anti-war and yeah i like how you're like oh um no i'm I'm just eh, eh, eh." i mean like most songs are just kind of just they're not really like like there's it's a big the thing is though the the thing that i like most about eurovision and i think you can probably verify you're probably saying wrong with this is the genres that are put in the song contest are all out there. What? Because uh, it's like, because it's like the UK. It's like a pop song. It's like a UK pop song, and then you get like something that's more like almost like hip hop in one country, and then another one. It's kind of like a country ballad, and then another Not one. Really. Not really. Like like any country could send anything. But like that. But there's always that weird mix that I love about Eurovision. It's like 
yeah, yeah everyone yeah. could send in one song but that one song by that one performer it's a different kind of it could be anything it could be anything and that's what i mm-hmm. that's what actually is my favorite thing about eurovision besides uh if anything costumes and decorum well, I'm sure you have found less interest in the contest as of late because they have strayed away from the the camp of a decade ago. It, it, well, I don't know why that is, other than maybe just disrespect. Like they don't want to, they want to put more. It, it became hokey and it became over the top. Like, uh, if you want me to talk more about, like, we're still talking about the rules and the setup. Like, I could talk more about like the stuff about around that it's it's two on. rounds of voting most points wins winner gets the song contest it's now two rounds of voting because for years they combined it like there's the jury vote and the televote they had like sometimes like sometimes the jury held more sometimes the uh televote held more the televote is the people voting by the way from all the countries which only get this was only introduced in like 1997 you should bring up like how old is Eurovision? Because a lot of these people oh, are American; they don't know what the fuck Eurovision is. Yeah. Eurovision was uh, 1956, the first one. 56 was the first one. Yes. So since the 50s, this has oh, yeah. been going, and like mostly yearly. There's been years where there's been gaps or hesitations uh, because of big important events. Uh, uh, like they, they, it's been rescheduled as a thing. Uh, this year, Eurovision has of course been rescheduled due to COVID. Yeah, uh, to next year, but like it's uh, the only year that they've missed completely. And... Now there is there is a year that's lost to time. There only the music itself is still around, which was 1964. I think all the tapes and footage of it, since since it was like before it could be put out digitally, uh, or at least like at that time there was no way to like recapture it. Nobody copied it. It was lost in a fire. Which is, I mean, that's a, a shame because I would assume, if, especially this is Eurovision, and this has been, if this was the 60s, like, at least like a 10-year since yeah. then. I'm pretty sure that's what comes up. I know, I know one year was lost to time, like just to uh, uh, just due, due to that disaster that happened. Because um, uh, if it's me, and you know how I am, Ian, like if it comes to a, like, the Eurovision Song Contest. I will want every song on an album and sell it for charity. And I don't know if it's sold for charity, but you know. Well, like, would you sell your, the compilation album for then? Money. Well, where is that money going to go? Like the pockets of like I, Sony I, BMG or? I don't. I don't know. Whoever is like the probably uh, ESC uh, company. All right. <laughs> that, that's that's what's been happening. Like you're commenting on stuff you don't know about. I wanted to. If this is about. Eurovision, which is supposed to be this big world gathering of of music, gathering. Your, your, strong EU. Basically, UK would hate this. What you're telling me? Uh, UK stopped taking it seriously for a long time. So they did. Only, they did only, fuck only. around and did Jedward. Right? Was that was that UK? Was it was it Ireland? That was Ireland. All right. Uh, so see, even Ireland doesn't give a shit about Eurovision's. What you're telling uh, me? Like, I mean. Jedward got like like top ten placing. Now where are they? Are they like? I don't know. They're doing their own thing. Are, are they doing like Jake Paul videos or? Don't comment on stuff you don't know about. I'm just uh, telling you right now. Identical twins. I mean, you're 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 fucking up on all bo- all all cylinders. Are they are they doing taste test videos, making each other eat ketchup or something? 
Is this what you do on this podcast? Sometimes. Haven't you heard this show before? Like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> anyway, Eurovision is uh, has been on for, for, for years and years and years and years and years. Yes. Uh, and in the game show world, there has been a lot of, of overlay. Uh, Lulu in the UK uh, performed in the 60s. And I recently learned about Stefan Robb's gathering over near Vision. Yeah, I was just explaining Stefan Robb. Like, he probably has done more, but uh, he uh, participated in... He composed the song in 1998, which is a great performance. If you care anything about Eurovision, go watch Germany's 1998 performance. Uh he performed in uh, 2000, and that song is ridiculous for Germany as well. Uh, and he uh, did the uh, introductory act for the, the opening, the show opening to the final of 2011, uh, because Germany was the host country that year. And then he did a free European song contest this year in Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, Which is interesting, because I think he retired from showbiz like a couple of years ago. Uh, and he he retired a couple yeah they so he retired from all of entertain basically all of entertainment and put in air quotes mm -hmm. basically it was just mostly TV so the the TV total show which was like a weird Tonight Show mixed with weird TV clips uh only you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of the Tom Green show because mm. it was mostly really? just like him on the street doing st stupid stuff and then like here's his Glenn Humpley character and did they have the guy who was in the back just like yes. Yes, for a while. Yes, because uh, I don't. I don't remember that guy's name, but like he was like just the third guy on the show. Uh, <laughs> and whatever, he, whatever. Though. And then he uh, did uh, Schlagd and Rob, which is based on because he said he can beat a lady boxer. Uh, and Schlagd and Rob. Yes, and it basically became this like game show where it's like I talked about this like a few months back. It's a it's, it's a live game show where someone from Germany competes against Stefan Robb, Eurovision's uh, darling, through 15 different Dar challenges. Okay. Through 15 different challenges. So it could be like a one-on-one -on -one game of, of basketball or a, a game of 21 or... So uh, Shaq versus. Yeah, basically like Shaq versus, but with 15 challenges. And like some of these are quiz games. Some of these are physical challenges, but they're all like games of some kind. And because it's live and he came unprepared, he gets real into it because it's the fun Rob. You know, he's kind of a cocky guy. So it's funny, like seeing him play like billiards and it's like classic like eight ball. And then he misses the shot and then you just hear him scream, fuck. <laughs> ah, so so you uh, you, you uh, discussed um, uh, Jedward and Stefan Rob, like any other uh, game uh, show people you find out? Uh, besides Lulu, uh, I mean, there, there's a little bit of game show relevance. A lot of Spain Eurovision mm -hmm. winners went on to do a respective version of a game show, uh, as well as Portugal. Uh, like I can tell you, like um, a lot of countries, do you use like X Factor or like they're like Idol and like there's a they're like singing competition shows. Like that was actually the original reason for The Voice. That was actually mm -hmm. going to be my uh, overlay is The Voice. Because mm -hmm. the voice of Holland was going to yeah. be the winner goes on to the Eurovision Song Contest to represent yeah. Holland. Right. Well, you mean the Netherlands. The Netherlands, and then... They, they haven't been called Holland in a long time. I saw the pitch film. They called it the voice of Holland. It was funny. Uh, but no, it's the Netherlands. And, the, and that became what the format was. 
and the idea of the original voice was the four people were former Eurovision people. Yes. So uh, that's where it's fun to see, like, the voice is basically, even though in America, we don't know much about Eurovision other than your Ian. Um, Because to us, the voice is just cool singing show with, like, Blake Sheldon and Adam Levine. And it's like... Say that name. Say that name again. Sheldon? Sheldon. (laughs) There's a T in there. Blake Sheldon Cooper. There's a T in there, my friend. I know. Uh, And... (laughs) And it's so to me, it's like if there's a little bit of overlay in this American singing show to Eurovision. Mm -hmm. And here's where I get to ask you the question here, because you've been a fan of Eurovision and I'm sure there's a lot of fans of Eurovision in America. How can you get access to Eurovision? YouTube, to be honest. (laughs) Like you can't really because it's like as far as I remember, it's difficult to watch it live. In America. Uh, start, starting in 2016, they started geo-blocking it uh, because uh, it got picked up to be run on... <laughs> this is actually funny. Um, I think on in I think in 2015 or 2016, one of those years, they uh, Viacom got the rights to run it in the U.S. and they ran it on Logo. And the reception was so bad uh, the first year that they did it because the Americans were watching it saying, this is so disrespectful and shitty and you guys are doing a terrible job. They changed, completely overhauled the, uh, the, um, uh, the, the, access, the process, the process, no, to... the, 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 the hosts completely changed out. Wasn't Cause initially, Carson, wasn't that the Carson Presley years? Like the one year they got Carson on Carson Cressley. Yeah. Wait, wait, like, and, uh, some comedian, I don't remember her name. Uh, but they said that like, people they were mocking people's accents and being just kind of generally like, oh, we don't care about this. Ha ha, let's make fun of it all. Uh, and you, American viewers and Europeans in America were like, what the fuck? This, you guys are doing terrible. Because this is taken seriously. This is a serious... It, it's, it's not taken seriously, but if you're going to be shitty about it, like, people, like, and like, because they were being like unprofessional about it. Oh, like this is the dumbest thing. Why are we here? At least we're getting paid. Bonjour, I, I, I blah blah blah. I, I, didn't, I didn't watch it. it like, because because if you go on to the Eurovision YouTube channel during Eurovision when it's running, you can watch just a commentary list, just regular contest. It, some people find it a little empty when you do that. I prefer it because like <laughs> there's no. I I watched like the UK ones for a while, and like to be honest, Graham Norton gets a little grating. Because he'll like be like, like, it's like, really? Who wants this? This is terrible. Why would anybody? I'm like, okay, okay, dude. But maybe that's why they were trying to go for a Graham Norton, American Graham Norton, and you can't. There's only one Graham Norton. Maybe, but uh, he at least is complimentary to other songs and say that was really good. Uh, So they changed it, and um, uh, uh, sorry to to do this to you. the the year after they had Michelle Visage and Ross, what's his name? Ross Matthews. Ross Matthews. Yeah. yeah. And I know you don't. You you really do not like Ross Matthews, but they everyone said those two did way better. I I will at least admit that I think if you gave Ross Matthews Eurovision, he would take mm-hmm. it at least with an ounce of serious. Like, wow, <laughs> look at this performance right. by Sweden. Right. But but you know Michelle Visage, Michelle Visage from RuPaul's Drag Race. That would sound. <laughs> I'm trying to picture that in my head right now. 
Right, but those two on a yeah <laughs> comedy. She actually was really, really into it. Uh, <laughs> but but like the views were so low that like I think like 2018 or 2019, like whichever year they they just dropped it. They didn't run it. Um, this year, 2020, they were like they were gonna do um, basically the the standard uh, show, which would be no commentary version. It was gonna run on Netflix as a playback <laughs> and that was going to coincide with the will ferrell no it wasn't because uh the will ferrell movie is coming out this month in june eurovision song contest is in may so we're gonna laugh out loud with eurovision you you have been off base all this whole time my friend. i mean like may and june are one month apart it's not really that far-fetched <laughs> You're about to say, I mean, May and June are the same month when you think about it. <laughs> you mean May, June? They both they both end up in the summer in the grand scheme of things. I mean, not really, but okay. May, shower. May June. Either way, it is a month on the Gregorian calendar. Who are we to judge? May, May and June. Those are both girls I dated in high school. I mean, come on. <laughs> we don't talk about June anymore. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, uh, no, like, like I remember, like, for me, one year was watching the Graham Norton Eurovision feed on BBC America and just having fun with that. Like, I thought that was a very enjoyable performance. It was this, it was a very, en- I, th- I think that was May still, right? Like, that was still, like, because it's usually May. Yeah, yeah. This is, show this starts was... from, or goes at the beginning of May. And I, Which year? I uh, that was like, that was, this was like a really cool, like, you know, event. And it was like, wow. They will never put this into America. Now, this- now I will say, uh, there's a thing I like. Um, in 2016, uh, Graham Norton really shit hard on the Georgian entry. And, and then it came down to the jury uh, votes, and it says, comes down to the UK. United Kingdom gives 12 points to Georgia. And he's like, uh, what? <laughs> My home country? What the hell? <laughs> he, he, he was like, who's on the jury there? <laughs> like, It's like, ha! Ah! And I, I fully had the... I fully had the like the the meme like because <laughs> because you finally got one on Graham Norton or at least whoever was the judge. Oh, you you're gonna get a ton on Graham Norton just watching this. Like he'll like he made a joke one year like I think in 2011 he said he's like I really like this song. It'll probably come last. <laughs> uh, and I think that's another thing we should bring up. Like you did bring up Eurovision. Uh, I mean, we can go year by year, song after song, country by country. You have that factoid like every winner of every year on your standby list. Uh, I I could probably have a pretty ha- good educated guess. I think I know like pretty far back. Like, uh, you're gonna get like spotty if you go back before the the two thousands. Okay, because I was gonna say like who won in the nineteen eighty? No, uh, because I who, who won in who who won in nineteen eighty? Who won in 1984? Uh, fuck, I don't know. It was Sweden. That makes sense. Oh, that was the Diggy Lou, Diggy Lane. Yes, that's the exact song. That is exactly it. <laughs> I, I don't know the rest of the song. It's in Sweden, Swedish, but yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's a famous winner. Uh, aren't they all supposed to be like historical winners? You would think so, but sometimes like like only the winners really go on to do anything, but when you look at like the legacy of the contest, certain people just do go off, do other stuff and don't have much of a career that's outside of their country. I think you should also point this out just for the f- sake of our friends at home. 
Who won the 1974 Eurovision Song Contest? Let's see. I don't know. Oh, I'll tell you right now, because that's the one I will tell off the top of my head, because that's the only one I know as a fact. ABBA. Yeah, Waterloo. That, that's, like, uh, that's the biggest, most across-the-board well-known Eurovision like, yeah. winner with the Waterloo. Uh, the only other one, that as, as just a, as a note I wrote, was uh, Celine Dion won Eurovision once. Yeah, but that's not a very famous song of hers. She she actually hates that song. Well, I know what I'm going to do next time I go to Vegas and I see her perform. Now, let me let me check in with you uh, to see if you know this trivia. Aside from uh, aside from Waterloo, what is the only other song to get any traction in the U.S. that from Eurovision? Oh, um. Because this one might surprise you, and be like, you'll be like, "That was a Eurovision song." I'm gonna do the dumb answer because I know I'm gonna give a wrong guess. I'm gonna say "99 Love Balloons." No. Wow. Okay, that was my real <laughs> guess. Like you know, when I do like a real guess, not a bit. So wow. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it's Loof Balloons. But no, you remember a song by the title of "Ooh Ah, uh, Just a Little Bit." Yes. That was a song. In Eurovision for the UK in 1996. Wow, uh, where how where, where did it go? Like in, in placement, it, it placed. Let me just pull this up. It didn't win. It got like uh, okay result. I think. Let's see. It got eighth place. I mean, eighth is not that bad. Of you know, ten. Now, if you if you like, I will say 1996 also has one of my favorite winners which is Ireland, with the song The Voice, which if you heard it and you've like had any kind of thing of like Irish music, any kind of Celtic music, you might have heard this song before. Mm-hmm. You can go look that up. It's called uh, The Voice by uh, Imer Quinn. I don't know how to pronounce Irish names. Sorry. Let's see. The Voice, Eurovision. Imer Quinn, The Voice. Here we go. Hate. I'm going to skip ahead. I'm trying not to get copyright claims. Mm-hmm. We can cut. We can cut this out later in post. That's actually pretty good. It's a nice little song. All right. <laughs> I was doing it through my phone just so that way we can uh, keep going. Uh, so yeah, that's one of those songs that people might have heard. Maybe. Uh, interesting enough, little like tidbit fact. Uh, the year before, um, nineteen ninety five, Norway won with a song called Nocturne. Uh, is known as the song that has the least amount of voc- uh, lyrics in any Eurovision song, still to this day. Like just it's just beat. No, it's it's mostly instrumental. <laughs> it's just beat. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, just like it's just some guy on a drum going like, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> like, <laughs> funny enough, uh, also in uh, funny enough, also in uh, 1995, UK sent the the first hip hop song to uh, Eurovision. So it is exactly like I said. They they bring in different genres of music. That's yeah. Uh, the um, yeah, you know, song like but yeah, like the the Norwegian song that year. You know, songs usually have quite a few lyrics. Uh, it's the smallest amount of lyrics to ever be in a Eurovision song with twenty four words total. Like that's so so that's all it took to win a song contest. Well, it, it you gotta remember it's a very new agey kind of song too. So, so and, and you you remember 1995. Even as a kid, you probably were aware that there was like a lot of new age, like mysticism kind of meditation shit going on. Oh. Especially probably for you in California. Lulu from the UK won Eurovision '69 with "Boom Bang a Bang." 
<laughs> you just have that. <laughs> you, had to, you, had, you had to come in with some facts you knew. <laughs> I had to throw that in there because I, I figured that I don't have much. But yeah, like that 24 word, <laughs> like that's it. it. It's it's mostly like violin, like an instrumental. Uh, and I, I, before we get to, I guess, what would be this year's Eurovision, uh, we got to do a little detour of like spinoff-ish. There's a junior Eurovision as well. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm personally not a fan. I'm not a fan of children singing. I just don't like it. But it there's some cool, impressive stuff in there. I think was it 2016, 2017, Malta. Like there's a song called Diamonds that represented Malta that this little girl sang that was really impressive. Uh, it's very ta- like I will say that is one of my other favorite little things of Eurovision is the junior contest. I can barely find any clips other than like the individual performances. That, that's all you need. But that, that, that's that's what you find for Eurovision because you don't want to have like the time for the ballots. You don't have time for the voting and the results. Uh, who, who cares about that? Uh, but not only like uh, the last year uh, there was a song called Superhero. And I, that one I actually liked a lot. Mm. Um, so, uh, and then there's other, like, the countries themselves have their own individual singing contents for different provinces or counties. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, certain ones, uh, like, oh, I, I got to pull up names. Like, uh, like, I know the big one is the big Swedish one, Melody Festival. And, or Melody Festival, I don't actually know how to pronounce, like, if, that, if that's the proper change to English of it. But, but a bit of... Um, that's the biggest one. There's a uh, UGK, which I think is no, no, that's not right. Um, the there is the uh, like Estonian one. There's like, and now we got to get to the uh... San Remo, which is I think the Italian one. And but 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 there's a lot. And now we got to get to the big controversy one, the big controversy of Eurovision. What's that? Besides, you know, a lot of taxpayer money, what goes into what, kind of like a FIFA deal, uh, it is the fact it's called the Eurovision Song Contest, mm-hmm. yet some countries are not technically in Europe and they perform. That's true. Like, uh, this goes back to, back to like the 80s, I think the 70s, maybe. Um, uh, 73 had Israel debut. Uh, Israel, uh, Turkey, Azerbaijan. Um, Russia, nineteen ninety four. Russia, um, and uh, things are looking like Kazakhstan might join. Uh, but tech- Ko- Kosovo was kind of set up to uh, join. And most recently, Australia. Uh, Australia is like one of the really big ones. And that one had a real, con- like a real heated controversy, which is like it. It, it wasn't that heated though. Yeah, it's it, it's well, you gotta think like. That the old timey Eurovision fans like, but it's not the same if you get this kind of anyone can join. Uh, but to be honest, no one cares what they think. So, and I'm going like, I already know in the back of my head, America is going to be joining this in like sometime in the future. I know for a fact that's going to be a thing. And then Canada. Uh, I'm trying to remember. There's one country that was like fully set up to be able to, and uh, like they're completely able to, but something stopped. I think it was Lebanon. Uh, Lebanon, sense. Lebanon is completely able to join. Like they've got the full okay from the the Eastern Broadcast, uh, the European Broadcast Union, and like the Eurovision like team. But it is illegal in that country to show like Israeli like stuff. 
on television. But Israel is a country that per how performs but, and though and because there's they're not allowed to like you're not allowed to like put a block on like the the TV uh, or uh, for the show you're not allowed to cut out segments you have to show the full show or nothing. So they are just pulling out. Uh, they they just didn't go through it. And and then like there's also the whole thing of like there's countries that have been in there in the past but don't do anymore due to financial reasons. Uh, do there's countries that have uh, been there like uh, Turkey doesn't like the political stuff, but like people say there's much more. Um, annoyingly, there's ones like Hungary, which the the government and like the overseeing like company and teams that uh, uh, paid for everything and uh, would broadcast it would broadcast the show uh decided that they wanted to pull out for 2020 because the the show had become quote-unquote too gay much to the dismay of many hungarian viewers yeah, but isn't there a lot of lgbt uh like artists that perform on- yes yes uh for those who don't know and this might shock you for how far back it's gone. Uh, Eurovision is an incredibly LGBT plus uh, positive uh, show. Like for, for to get, put this into perspective, uh, a trans woman won in 1997. No, 1998. 98. Mm-hmm. So from I'm... from Israel. <laughs> what? Yes. I almost spat my water out. What? <laughs> yes. Uh, Donna International with the song Diva. Whoa. <laughs> and that, that's one of the, like, the ones, if you know your LGBT history, you probably know that. Uh, trans woman. Transitioned at the time. And and people are like, ew, I don't like the politics of it. I, I, I don't know. Like, since the internet wasn't what it is today, like, if, if we, it probably was, like, tucked away on, like, Eurovision, like, fan, like, boards and stuff like that. All TV Eurovision. I don't know. It like, would have probably would have been like I, I. I have very little knowledge of what Eurovision United. sucks blog. Eurovision. Eurovision sucks blog. It's like a GIF image of like the Eurovision logo and then like fire dot GIF around it. <laughs> well, like probably. Motorhead plays like Eurovision's bad music. You know, it's real good music. Motorhead. <laughs> and it's like a mini version of Ace of Spades in the background. <laughs> And then it still says, like, this website hosted by ProPorts. Uh, but, but, um, I'm trying to think, like, the other stuff I know of, like, like that's, like, LGBT plus stuff, like, uh, cause it's only more recently, like, there's, there's obviously, like, this sounds fucked up to say, but there's, like, performers who've been in there who were gay, very clearly. Uh, uh no, 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 complete with, like, during their choreograph, like, smooch. On stage, sometimes. Uh, I think uh, Lithuania in 2015 had a same-sex kiss. The the the, the backup singers were like two women and two men kiss each other because it was it was a couple. It was this big happy song, and like like I I do not like that song, but it was nice to see a little thing like that. Well, like sometimes you know the song might suck, but you know it's good for the performer, right? Uh, I'm trying to think. Like, let's see, uh, 2018. Who uh, those of you in the UK listening to this? Uh, the name Sarah Alto probably means something to you. Uh, she performed for Finland. Uh, who she's a queer woman. Uh, in whoa, let's get through this little voting. Yes, and then 2018 winner was Netta with 
Toy. Yes, from Israel. 2018 also, I like a... I just want to say uh, shout-outs to... Uh, shout-outs to Hungary for actually sending, like, like a hardcore band for their uh, entry. Wasn't that the one we did, la- like, a couple years back when we first f- fucked around with Discord? We're like, can we just listen to all these songs? And then, like, Jordan, what do you I, like? I, I, I told you guys, in, in our, our friend group, like, I... I Put the uh, right before the contest, or like a month before the contest, when all the songs are finally finalized, Eurovision uh, puts out a compilation of just all like clips of all the songs. And then I um, and then I, I kind of it, it's kind of like a betting pool. It's like I think this is gonna win. I think that's gonna win. You, you said your favorite was the song they got second place, and it was like. I, I love that. Like uh, the thing is, these are really good songs, and these are like songs that I can assure I you is remember, on my I Spotify. Remember what song that was too? Do you remember what year? The, uh, what, do you remember what song it was in twenty eighteen? Yes, the one you picked. Uh, that was. I think that was from. I'm. No, I, didn't ask, I didn't ask where it's from. I, that I, was I the Fuego. It was the Fuego song, right? Yeah. Do you remember who sings it? No. <laughs> That's uh, Eleni Fuera, who uh, is a really cool Cypriot. Um, I think it's a proper term, Cypriot for Cyprus. Uh, uh, and then uh, La Forza. I'm looking now at the 2018 list. I remember distinctly La- liking La Forza as well. The, do you remember what type of song it is? Uh, that was the that was the weird. Like I was gonna say the Celtic song, but it's not Celtic. No. Is that the is that the is that the rock song? Is that the no, no. Is that the metal song? Is that the Slipknot? I, 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 said, I said what country that one's from. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you don't listen during this podcast. That's that's the opera song. Oh, all right. Uh, so so I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, like, did you really pick that one? <laughs> no, I picked Fuego. And I got second no. place, so you know what? God, God damn it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ian's walking away going, not again. <laughs> Okay, but yes. Um, unfortunately, due to COVID, twenty twenty was canceled. Uh, but uh, they're pushing it for twenty twenty one. Same mm-hmm. theme, same a lot of several, things. Several, several of the performers who were going to perform twenty twenty one, are going to be in twenty twenty one. It's going to be in the same country, which is the Netherlands, in probably Rotterdam. Uh, so so there, there's a lot of most of the countries have all like confirmed that they're going to be there. Uh, several have confirmed that they are going to be having the same performers. All right. Uh, da, 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 da. I have to get my little... I only got three of the songs from this year. Because you were telling me we did the vote for all like 11. Or yeah, uh, I suggested uh, I, I suggested we could do the 1, 2, 3, 4, uh, oh. 5, 6, 7, uh, 8, 10, 12 vote. Which is the you know the traditional vote for uh, that, but if you only have three, uh, you're gonna I think like uh, I don't know who you would have picked. All right, so don't break me was my number one. Don't break me. Australia's. Australia's Australia's number one. What's your number two? Uh, Leslie Roy, which is I think Ireland. Uh, I, I, story of my life, the, yeah. the Katy Perry sounding song. Yeah, that one. Uh, and then I was trying to figure out what the, was that other song. I think that was the. I'm about to believe that's Denmark. It was a song. 
uh, by the group say, Ben and Tan called say, Yes. Say yes, say yes, say yes, say yes. That, that one is catchy. That one is going to be the Spotify song for me. See, like, this is going to show the difference of, like, the person who just checks in on Eurovision and my favorites, which my favorites uh, this year were my number three, uh, I believe, was, let me go back and look at this. Uh, um... I'm probably going to be dead wrong with with Australia, and it's going to end okay, up in Denmark. Uh, okay, uh, my number three was Latvia's song "Still Breathing" by Samantha Tina. That was a good song. That was a good song too. So. My my, num- my number two is uh, "Hasta la Vista" by Hurricane from Serbia, <laughs> and uh, my number one would have been "Solove" from Go A or Go A uh, from Ukraine. So just so we're clear here, you're picking uh, actually like the Eurovision heavyweights here. Like, well, here's here's the funny thing. I don't think there's been a song from Serbia that I've actually disliked. <laughs> They're one of my favorite countries in the contest. And e- I even and... even 2009 when they sent the song like uh, Chipala, uh, which is means shoe, and it's like it's a comedy novelty song. I like that one even. What does it people- say? Because you're the Eurovision expert. You're picking the heavyweights, and I'm here going like, "Oh, the one from Australia is good, and the one from Ireland's good." Well, like, like, that's that's the best way to do it. Pick the song you like the best. I I'm picking my number. I'm picking the songs I like the best. Like if I said who I thought was gonna win, ooh, that's difficult. Because uh, um, like Iceland was a big one this year. Dadi uh, Ogognami. Think about things, which that song has become kind of a viral hit, but I don't know if it would have won. Uh, people said Switzerland, uh, Responde Moi, uh, was uh, you know, when what it was a one, well, I'm trying to figure out, uh, see, see, like this year was hard to gauge because like some people were hating on it, some people were saying this is great. I, I don't know what it would have won. It's gonna end up being Belgium. You would have thought it'd been Belgium, I'm thinking Belgium. Even though no. I, I want Australia to win, I, that that is the song that's really low on the bookies charts. Like the the people who do the bettings of Eurovision, that song is way, way, way down the list. Well, because I like the "Don't Break Me" song. I I think that's to me that's the winner. Right. Like, yeah. That that could have done well if they kept the performance like from their uh, national final. You you might find out something from uh, Hooverphonic uh, from Belgium because they are going to be back next year. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of disputes and a lot of disappointments. Uh, this I, is this is an interesting thing because nobody really knows. And I noticed something. Neither of us pick anything from the Big Five. For those who don't know, the Big Five are uh, country is the uh, countries that all put the most money towards the contest, which are the big countries in in Europe that you'd expect: U- UK, Spain, Italy, Germany, and France. And there's also the host country, which also goes to the end. I got not, it. Not Sweden or Russia, like a lot of people would expect. See, or Norway. I see. That's where I would have. Th- I would have thought Norway. But like, uh, would have been the ones that put money towards the contest most. That I because I would assume when I keep making the joke of the Netherlands, it's like a big group. So I would say like Norway, Sweden, uh, probably no, Iceland, I mean, Finland. Those those are known, like there's the Nordic countries, the Slavic countries, Scandinavian countries. Uh, so, let's see here. I'm looking at the active Eurovision countries here. Andorra, uh, stayed in May 2020, that she secured the funding required for the country to return to the Eurovision Song Contest. Yes. 
they they just narrowly they narrowly missed the uh, missed the opportunity to do it. Moraka so. is going to possibly return as well, but they have not discussed it yet. Who? Morocco. Okay. Uh, poor, that's an that's an ongoing bit. We have a bit. We do bits on fun time calls. We're plugging it right now. Uh, and in Portugal. Mm. Well, the Portugal thing, the Portugal Google thing is uh, that the uh, there's some dispute about like who would represent it. And in the and apparently America, I was right. America is going is a possibility if the American Song Contest became a success. But that's not saying like for twenty twenty one. Yeah, because the American Song Contest isn't happening. They originally booked it for this year, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah it was, they were going to try to have it this year, but didn't happen. I think it, it's not going to go anywhere, personally. You don't think there's not a single country? See, I was thinking CBS. No, no I, I, I'm saying I don't think this contest would go anywhere. It's not going to. It'd be like, uh, so, okay, here's something you, you'll find interesting. Uh, the song for it, the contest for Israel that uh, is the one to select people performing for Eurovision is a is the same as a show that was in the U.S. And if you remember, is that one where the judges there's all these celebrity judges and they can't see the performer until like they ra- people rank up like all these people vote like and it really reaches a certain threshold and the stage door comes up and you get to see the person performing. Oh, that's uh, that's a Korean format. That is, uh, it's from the creators of a Mass Singer. Uh, the voice, it's called the I Can See Your Voice. I think it's, it, it came before the Mass Singer. It was like whatever predated it. Like they they had one season in the U.S. and nobody cared about it. I think the American Song Contest would wind up being uh, a th- at least would, a thing. I think uh, like a, like I gotta think CBS. It'll, it'll, It'll exist, but I, I think it'll be a dud that no one will care about. Oh, like that's what I'm thinking. CBS, it'll be like on like the board, like it'll be on like Fridays, and it will get like the one plug during Survivor and nothing else. And it's like America's united through music. Well, here's the thing: like if you look at Eurovision, a lot of money gets put behind that by every country. Like the U.S., I doubt would be like willing to like put stuff behind it like that like this it's not the same like you're gonna pick a state like to be like 50 states all like like 25 versus 25 and then we come together like to be uh i guess 20 in the uh or like several in the uh in the final according to the format uh that i read originally uh it was 50 one from each state and then it goes from the top 50 to the top 20 like you said and then the top mm-hmm. twenty goes to the final ten, so it'd be three rounds. Yeah. See, like, eh, I, I think Americans would fuck it up too. Oh no, no, they went straight up into dramatic uh, result show weekly event with the mm-hmm. winner going to Eurovision, and I think they the the debate was: Do you get established performers or do you get uh, unknowns, kind of like any other singing show? With the premise being that not only do you go to Eurovision, you get your record contract. Yeah, but like, like, why would you go to Eurovision? It's not because hmm. that's the bit, and it's like I don't, I don't know. I, I think this this show will flop. It won't go anywhere. And plus, like having like having an American singer who's not representing a different country w- wouldn't work out. Now, if this was just a standalone, like America with American singers, maybe. 
Yeah. Now, like, let me clarify something here because there is a uh, there's a side contest that's like a fans put together contest of Eurov- from Eurovision fans where they collect songs from all these different countries and pit them against each other. Uh, but there is it's called the OGAE song contest. I don't remember what that stands for, but they have a one last column, which is rest of the world, which is just it could be anywhere outside of that. Like uh, now that Australia is part of it, though, because uh, it'll be um, U.S., Canada, Mexico, uh, Japan, Korea, um, uh, in India. Uh, it is the OGO is the Organisation Generale de Amateur de Eurovision. Mm-hmm. It's a fan put together thing, but they have this one co- where they randomly draw a country for the rest of the world. If any other countries come into Eurovision, I think it should be done that way. You have a rest of the world category. Oh, kind of like uh, best foreign film at the Oscars. Just like, yeah, this is and the rest. No. Uh, let's, let's give it up for Parasite. No. No. Uh, the way <laughs> I am no selling that, uh, that's the, that's how I think it should be done. Even though, uh, there is a thing to be said about some people say like having an American song or a Canadian song, uh, or even in certain cases, a Korean song because of like K-pop stands would, would like, it tilts the scale a little too much just cause like, it's a bit too big. Like, like, like imagine, I mean, there have been celebrity big name performers in Eurovision, but imagine say, oh, uh, they're doing that. Like, for example, like a few years ago, uh, America got the song and uh, the song selected for representing the U.S. for the rest of the world was a Taylor Swift song. Kind of tilts the scale, but like which presides the uh, fans are going to vote for that because it's Taylor Swift. But also people are going to vote against that because they're like, you're picking something too big. That's not fair. Well, that hmm, that's actually really clever. But because like, now you're that actually now I'm breaking into the the voting system of that because now you're going into the true political social vote of Eurovision. Well, like that's the thing that happens in Eurovision. There's a lot of block voting. People see because because uh, uh, if you watch a lot of Eurovision, you notice that certain ones, like for example, Greece always votes for Cyprus, and Cyprus always votes for Greece, and they get booed for it. Uh, but also countries that are against each other sometimes vote for each other. Or, like, will give high votes for one another. Like, you, on more than a few occasions, Ukraine and Russia have voted for each other. That's a surprise. I would... <laughs> yeah. I, uh, what? <laughs> um, we promise and, we won't be too harsh on you if you vote for us at Eurovision. And, uh, like, on certain times, uh, countries that you would expect to vote for each other don't vote for each other, like uh, Ireland and the UK. <laughs> to me, I'm with Ireland. Uh, but like the the it's it's that's kind of fascinating because I kind of assume like exactly like I said about like when Australia joined in, there probably a few traditionalists like we can't have this in Eurovision. We can't have this. Oh yeah, but also um, to to go back to the point I was making though before, like big names don't guarantee a win in Eurovision. Coldplay doesn't win. Well, no, I mean, uh, Germany sent, uh, in 2013, Germany sent Cascada. Wow. Uh, like, actually, uh, for those those of you who are the fans of the, the performance shows, if you knew about Australian Idol, uh, the first singer to represent Australia in Eurovision was Guy Sebastian, the very first winner of uh, the Australian Idol shows. So that could really have been, like... 
he competed against Kelly Clarkson in World Idol. You That's what that. I was thinking right when we were about midway through this. Like, this is basically World Idol then. <laughs> Not really. Okay, what if we got American Juniors? I don't know. Are you talking about candy? No, that's like the junior Eurovision. <laughs> American Juniors. That sounds like a candy brand. Uh, so, so that really, like, I mean, that would probably have been it. Like, if we had, like, an American... I'm spoiling the final question, by the way. What's, what's, what's the well, final question? The final question, question is the last question on the show. We don't want to do that yet, because I feel like we still have a lot to discuss. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you want to go straight to the final question right now, oh, and then we'll just... That's what you were going to ask before. Here was the final question. If the Eurovi- if the United States was in the Eurovision Song Contest, which we know they have no chance in hell of doing, what artist or group should perform on behalf of the United States? Someone we don't know about. Like a real nobody. Or, or maybe, like, honestly, either that or somebody, like, who is known. It depends on the song. Because, like, I kind of think, like... Because, here's the thing. In 2013, also, for the UK, Bonnie Tyler performed... It wasn't. It wasn't one of those big, over-the-top songs. It was like 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 an adult contemporary song. That was like some VH1 shit. Because that because that's was in my head as the final question. Because I think that's a tough question. Because I had the like think it, Donald. I, I, I admit I I have like like you know like the the fantasy Booker things of Eurovision. Like oh, I I might pick something like Walk the Moon. That'd be cool. But uh. But U.S. shouldn't be in the. the uh, I would say if you're doing anything, do like a North American slash South American vision, because that's only gonna because that's about equal to Europe in amount of countries because North America and South America. Yeah. Uh. So then you have a Canada, Mexico. Then you have Latin American countries. Uh. Be bilingual, and, obviously. And uh, include the territories. You include the territory. Every like everything's to play for. So you you would get American Samoa. You would get uh, the Caribbeans. You would get a lot. Oh wow. Yeah, but I I I don't think it would work in the U.S. Just because the U.S. is stupid about these things. Oh no! Like imagine um, here. Here's why I'm with you. It wouldn't work. Think America as dumb as we are. Imagine we did anything. Rather, it is the just American song contest. Or a either rejoin your vision or create this fictional one I just did. Imagine we did that and America lost. Like we got in like third place or fourth place. We would be bitching and moaning and go, no, we were the best. No, no, we don't like you because you just sang Spanish song or whatever. Oh, that happens regardless. Um, you, want some, you want some real fallout and look at some stuff? There's a look at uh, the winner from 2016 for Ukraine. A lot of people did not like that, and they like, why is this song? You mean it's political? It didn't deserve it. Ugh. That being said, Ian, I I think there should be an exhibition category for Eurovision, and I think America should have it, and it should be Childish Gambino's "This Is America." No, just have that entire song be played. No, <laughs> complete no, with song, like. That, I'm gonna be real. That song doesn't work without the gunshots. You you add the gunshots. You can't change the rules. Like you can't change the song after it's already been submitted. Well, don't they have like props on stage and it's live performance? Yeah. Like, okay. you you can't add like sound effects and stuff into the song after it's already been sent through. Okay, see that isn't a rule. I never knew about your division. I thought it was like the live performance was the song. There's, um, the live performance. You, you only have the live performance. 
you generally have to you have to play to a playback nowadays because just for logistical reasons. Uh, and uh, the only um, non-vocal things you're allowed to add are like vocal samples. Uh, a really good example would be the song from 2015, I think, for Norway, which had like like a cut up in the middle of the song. It's like a cut up like Skrillex style like vocal, like the uh, 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 kind of like of like of the it, it cuts the chorus up. As a sample, because it was an EDM song. All right, I didn't. Th- but then again, if it's EDM, like that also that sounds really cool to have Eurovision. Yeah, that's it was there. I'm just like I'm now thinking like I'm just trying to imagine my head. Like I know there's like a bit like of a pause before show like songs, but just trying to picture my head like a like a like a like an not an opera, but like you know a, a solo singer singing her heart out. And then cut to as the next song. What if it's somebody got a saxophone? Would this be the American one? Just cuts to you on stage with a trumpet? <laughs> no, it cuts to me on, with a slide whistle. Jordan House represents America. Trumpet. I only learned this within a week. <laughs> oh, the you people mean America. Do. You just you just don't understand. You don't understand America. People do get booed at Eurovision. There is some great like troll acts, but there's some really bad ones. Like comedy in Eurovision, it is either hit or miss. I only consider like a tiny amount of like the comedy and like novelty acts funny. In fact, I think uh, Iceland 2006 is really great because like that performer trolled the hell out of like those people uh spain 2008 uh is good it's a nice little parody of reggaeton music uh i I already said i liked uh, serbia's uh song i actually like it more as a song than comedy uh um uh iceland in 2014 It's it's a novelty song but it's like uh it's, it's got a positive message because it's no prejudice. So, Ian. Yes. Uh, I mean, I did toss out that, that uh, final question. I, I, read, I wrote a new one now, but we'll get to that later. We haven't gotten into one final question that's not really the final question. This is like the penultimate question, but it's one that I think you would know the answer to because you have listened to a lot of performances. What are some of your favorites in the past? Like your favorite of all time performances in Eurovision? Like if somebody who has never seen Eurovision before... Go on YouTube and check out these performances. What should they do? Uh, that all depends on what you want. You want to see the early stuff first, or do you want to see like I, I have full lists of the stuff. Like, uh, I think uh, one of the great ones to check out is um, Sweden in 1991. Uh, you might recognize that tune to go with a certain meme if you know the OMFG dogs meme, it's like when the song that goes with that. Uh, I already said uh, 1996 Ireland is one of my favorites. Um, uh, Sweden and Russia in 2000 are two I like. Uh, Finland in uh, 2006, of course, that was Hard Rock Hallelujah by Lordy. That was my that, that was the first one I found out when I opened a uh, Rolling Stone magazine and saw like I'm like, saw these guys that look monstery. I'm like, oh, they look like Guar, and uh, <laughs> and then the uh. The blurb says, like, singing a nice pop metal song won Eurovision Song Contest. And I was like, 
Oh, let me write that down. Let's see. I'll look that up when I go home tonight because that was an early YouTube. Uh, I said uh, I liked um, in 2018, I liked Hungry's song. Uh, I had to miss out on a lot of 2019 just due to circumstances. Uh, I think the song that won last year, uh, Netherlands, was pretty good. Um, 2017's UK song. Uh, I, have a, I have a long list of uh, songs I like for Eurovision. Man. You have a huge list. I think if they follow you on Twitter and or give you suggestions, like you might help them out a little bit, right? Sure. Like like uh around Eurovision season you'll see me talk about stuff, but like more so like during the contest. Like but contest isn't happening this year. It is what it is. So Ian, now we gotta get time for the final question because we did do. We talked reboots, we talked origin stories, we talked best singers, the format. We got through a lot. Here is the real question. The real final question, because I guess we already did with if America was in Eurovision, it would be, here's the second question. If America got access to Eurovision Song Contest feed, who would you most like to have as the, uh, basically the commentator for Eurovision? I know you dislike commentators typically nowadays for Eurovision, but who would you most like to see do the American feed? Uh... <laughs> you can go jokey it doesn't matter this is like a frivolous question oh uh, i don't know like i i would have said nobody but um <laughs> my, my first name that topped in the head was um mons zamello or zamelov uh, who uh won the contest in 2015 and did like a bunch of promotional stuff and uh, helped out with uh like hosting uh the show in the uk uh for uh finding out who was going to be on Eurovision. he won for sweden by the way okay that's now that's really i didn't that's pretty cool actually i was like he's actually a really good host but uh to not pick him uh fuck god i wrote one down but i i don't know if you're gonna say it (laughs) who'd you write down joe rogan no oh fuck no i'm not that no (laughs) yeah i could see joe rogan so wow man that's crazy look at this this there's like a flaming guitar all of a sudden it's like Jimi hendrix or something that's cool Whoa, uh, that that singer is wearing a dress, but that dress is like like swirly, neat. I I, I don't know who I'd pick. Like, who would be anybody who's known? Like, like maybe just like I don't know who'd be a good radio show host. Like Ryan Seacrest, maybe. Seacrest. Hmm. All right. All right. I'm following. R- Ryan Seacrest and Charlemagne the God. You are actually half right on my. I oh, had you, a I had a duo. Did you see Charlemagne? I had Charlemagne. Why? Because I love the breakfast. <laughs> you, you, you want Charlemagne and DJ Envy? No, <laughs> no. I want Charlemagne and Anthony Fantano from the Needle Drop. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll just be like, this, this is another song. It's kind of nothing, bubblegum, you know. Exactly, but that's all you really want in like a commentator. <laughs> so you want one to be like, ah, this song's nothing. We're the black people. Yeah, exactly. No, that's exactly what I want. <laughs> Funny enough, uh, fun fact, Eurovision 2020 would have been the year with the most black performers. And then Charlamagne would be like, what up? <laughs> Go give it up for... for. Yeah, it was um Sweden, the Netherlands, uh, Czech Republic, um, San Marino, and uh, I think that's what I'm forgetting. Oh, and Israel. And I feel like there's one more. And then, like, the Netherlands, uh, San Marino, Czech Republic... Sweden, uh, Israel. I think yeah, five countries had like black people. 
performing. So what you're telling me is, even though this is going to be out probably like a few weeks after the fact, Black Lives Do Matter. Yes. Uh, but I, I just thought that was cool seeing like, not just in America, like we're, we're seeing like, I'm seeing black faces in other countries. That's that's awesome. That's a lot of good representation. And plus, don't forget, this is of the country. Like, there's no multiples. This is, you're the guy. You're the one. You're, you're the folks. Oh, also, shout out to Russia this year would have been represented by Little Big. If you guys like novelty and funny dance music, like, and even just like outside of that, like, oh, uh, I also forgot Malta. That would have been six, uh, six black people performing. So if you like if you want representation inclusiveness you want diversity and you want camp but not over the top camp but sometimes too much over the top camp tune into Eurovision cuz that's the yearly surprise party of music <laughs> okay like i'm just coming up with something all right ian do you have any plugs you want to give <laughs> before we have i want to plug uh, my buddy jordan follow him on twitter oh. jordha thanks uh anything else you like to plug uh listen to fun time calls uh what's fun time calls it's a it's a podcast i do with jordan and jack who's been previously on this uh show uh so it's it's a podcast uh where i complain about ryan's toy reviews and then you go why do you care so much and then i i just do the big sigh face yeah oh you guys are gonna love the next episode but by the time this episode comes out it'll be like four weeks ago so we'll be right now doing the kevin smith reviews we'll be on kevin smith reviewed at this point all right but you know what uh let me let me do the thing jordan probably wants me to do like me on facebook follow me on twitter by all the fun time calls merchandise yeah fun time calls merchandise take take, take care curl your hair i just take care curl your hair and thanks again for stopping by Thanks again to Ian for stopping by. If you like Ian, please check out his podcast, Fun Time Calls, over at uh, Twitter, twitter.com slash funtimecalls. Those are anchor.fm slash funtimecalls. In their most recent episode, they talked about the movies of Kevin Smith. What a fantastic concept. Uh, but before we, we close the book on Eurovision, let's play one of my favorite Eurovision songs. This came out a few years ago. We're going to play just like a few samples because I don't know if this is copyrighted or not. And I don't want to get sued. But it's called Peace, Peace, Love, Love, and I hope you enjoy it. I just had to put that in there in some regard for the Eurovision episode. It's not the full version. The full version is available on YouTube, obviously. Uh, but like, it, it, it's just such an enjoyable song to me that I had to like put put it in here. So it's it's fascinating for me to talk about Eurovision because to many people they just ignore this as a game show. They just think of it as just some sort of weird event. But much like the Olympic Games, there is something to it that keeps people coming back year after year. In this case, I guess 
it's postponed. So next year, people will be anticipating the next Eurovision. It's a global appeal. There are people from all across the world who are fans of Eurovision and can name almost every artist, every song, even scoring tallies. It is fascinating. Most of the time when I see Eurovision being used in the category in, in game shows, it's always a fun music category, a very clever music quiz, too. That it, it goes without saying that this is probably the biggest game show of the entire world. Now, I don't mean that in terms of like a format, like a family feud or millionaire. I mean that in terms of the world is playing it. Sure, I can probably say, well, if this is the case and is the Olympics a game show or, or some other things. But personally, I think that because of the voting structure, because of the public voting now, and because of the presentation of the show, it's more game showy than, say, the Olympic Games. Anyway, it's time for the 110 part series exploring every pricing game from the prices right. This is the pricing game spotlight. Triple play. Premier date, October 2nd, 2000. The year 2000. Finale date of Bob Barker, June 14th, 2007, 4034K. Premier date of Drew Carey, October 22nd, 2007, 4051K. Year of order, December 6th, 2007. <sighs> Triple play is a pricing game played for not one car, not two cars, but for three brand new cars. That's, that's, I don't even have room in a garage for one. What the? Anyway, each car is played for one at a time, starting with the lowest price and working its way up. The contestant must choose which price is closest to the actual retail price of the car without going over. For the first car, there's two choices. For the second car, three choices. And for the third car, four choices. A correct decision moves the player onto the middle expensive car. If they're correct with that third, they move to the most expensive car. The contestant must guess correctly on the final car to win all three cars. If they choose incorrectly at any point during this game, the game ends with the contestant losing everything. Unlike most pricing games where contestants can stop with their winnings, they are not allowed to stop the game after winning the first or second car. If the contestant succeeds in guessing which price is closest without going over, they'll win all three cars. Triple Play was created because then-host Bob Barker wanted a game that had a car behind each of the big doors on the show's stage. It was originally conceived as a game called Slam Dunk, in which only one of the cars could be won. The rest of the staff did not like the idea of having a game that offered prizes that could not be won, and the idea was eventually overhauled into the current format. It was the last pricing game to premiere before Janice Pennington and Kathleen Bradley's departures in December 2000. The game has not been played between October 17th and January 10th, 2001. On its first playing, it had a common theme for each car, being played for a car, a truck, and a van. Originally, the game's logo appeared behind all three cars, with October 19th, 2011 being the final time it played. The signs behind the first two cars were permanently removed. Alright. On its premiere playing, Contestant Amber lost on the second car. On May 23rd, 2001, the game's eighth playing, Triple Play got its first win. One playing a triple play had to be removed from an episode after the pricing game had ended. On October 28, 2003, the game was lost on the first car. 
Then the staff discovered that the wrong contestant was declared winner of the one bid. The whole first act was eventually reshot. A new item up for bids was offered, and contestant Jimmy, who won, played money game for Triple Play's second car. On October 14, 2008, the game's only playing in Season 37, Triple Play was taken out of the pricing game lab and returned to the pricing game rotation October 30, 2009. On April 22nd, 2014, Triple Play was played for three hybrids, but was lost on the third car. For 12 years, Triple Play was always played first, much like Golden Road, until December 20th, 2016. However, unlike Golden Road, the game does not take up the entire stage, thus allowing the host to enter through the big doors. Since November 9th, 2012, the game has been played any time other than first. Triple Play was won 15 times. Excluding nighttime shows, which there were three wins over the years. After an eight-year losing streak that began on December 13th, 2007, the losing streak was broken December 21st, 2015. The most recent win occurred December 24th, 2019. The most number of times this game has been played in any season was eight. And so far, it's the only pricing game in the current rotation to have not been played more than ten times in any season. Triple Play is the only pricing game that could end before every price is described. This is one of two games to use the yes and no to refer to correct or incorrect guesses, the other one being Penny Ante. It is also one of the three pricing games to use a baseball reference in its name. As you remember, we did Three Strikes and we did Squeeze Play. Triple Play was one of the seven pricing games. Bah, 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 bah. I like Triple Play because of the high stakes game. You know, it's it's three cars, so you're dealing with maybe like sixty to seventy thousand dollars in cars. Sometimes even more, maybe almost in the six figure range, which is pretty impressive. What I like about it is it's essentially just like a one bid game, but with two contestants. Which one do you think was right? And then with the second one, with three guesses, which of these contestants is right, and then with the final car with all four players in the one bid, which is correct, that is what pricing games are kind of fun and and, and the deduction of it. And there isn't really a pricing game on the prices, like the prices right except for triple play, at least to my knowledge, where it's essentially just like you pick out the contestant that won the one bid. Because that's essentially what this is. It's a multiple choice game. A, B, then A, B, C, then A, B, C, D. And the stakes are very high because it's three cars. So it's very flashy for the audience. And you have maximized stakes because for all we know, you could have accidentally picked the one that was actually over. So sometimes the strategy is just to pick the lowest price because you know at least one of them is not over the price. Uh, But it's really just how far is enough. And where did they put that last digit? Is it the is it the far bottom or is it the middle prize? You don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoy triple play for just the uh, fact that when it's played, it's often rare, and when it's a win, it's considered a big deal in like a lot of, of circles. And the price is right. Next time on the pricing game spotlight, we will be looking at a game that's too much. Sorry, I should say that's too much. The game is that's too much. This is Cannonball Bay. Can you dig it? The most extreme water park you've ever seen. Oh my goodness! What a run! Incredible! A place where legends are made. And all of their drenched dreams come true. Oh, oh man. man, let's hope that face is all right. 
We're regular people. I'm a cat daddy. Time for this redhead to play! Cannonball! Well, people stare fear. Let's do this! This is so stupid! Oh, mama, help In the face. <laughs> oh, boy. Is my face okay? Each week, our incredible athletes will risk life <laughs> and live. $10,000. That's my money. I need to pay my bills. So get ready for the wettest and wildest oh, my nipple. hour on television. <laughs> this is Cannonball. Alrighty, so there was a special sneak preview of Cannonball on NBC on Monday. Didn't know about that till seven hours ago. So I had to watch the show. Cannonball, based on the UK game show Cannonball, that was a one-season wonder. Anyway, in this hilarious show, people fall into water in mysterious, fun games. Unlike Wipeout, where the focus is a course-based format, you know, uh, go over the hurdles, jump from one spot to another, similar to games like, say, Floor is Lava, or I guess Ultimate Tag, even though that's not really, or Holy Moly, or Don't Fall in the Water. This show, you have no choice but to fall in the water. They know you're going to hit the water. That's not the point. It's going to be the uh, games played in the water, that make the show and they're basically water-based challenges if you love water sports it, I, I don't know where i'm going at with this um so in, in this show i'm trying to remember the numbers i think it was like 15 it goes to eight eight goes to six six goes to five five goes to four you know very uh clean numbers to go on i don't know why that was the choice they made but we'll go on um there's five games played in each episode versus the UK version where it was just three. So if, if anything, it got better because they did more different games. And by different, some games were exactly the same. Just one was measured in distance and one is measured by distance plus height. Um, so Mike Mazanin plays commentator uh, along with Rossi Diaz and Simon Gibson. Uh, Rossi and Miz are actually a, a good pairing for the show because it's not Wipeout where they're they're trying to have the commentator who takes it seriously and the silly wacky person telling the jokes. So there is no Joe Tascatori Rob Riggle duo, uh, which is like Wipeout with John Anderson, John Henson. Uh, this is kind of just like they're both playing both silly and commentating. Like it really just playing it straight up. Like we're wa you're watching like a sports event. Uh, they're gonna do night commentary like you would see in a, in a sports competition, but they're both doing it. It's not just the Miz going like, oh, he hit his face. It's it's not even like a. Uh, they don't even re if anything they kind of know people are gonna compare the show to Wipeout. So they're kind of doing inside jokes similar to Don't that uh, they're trying to, to be silly enough that it's like, please don't compare us to Wipeout. This isn't Wipeout. Um, but it's the same kind of like, you know, snarky commentary. I know Holy Moly made a joke about like casting reason being you have to be 25 
uh, miles or fewer from our studio, passive physical, mental. This show had a joke with Simon Gibson going like these. This audience is pumped for Cannonball, but they're just saying that because they're get they will cheer for anything because we're paying them. Isn't that right? Yay! Watch your cars are all towed. Yeah, like that's that's the kind of funny fun comedy you'll see on Cannonball. Uh, so with Wipeout, where everything was a slapstick thing. And holy moly, where the holes have kind of become changing almost every four or five minutes, which makes the pacing great. This show only has five different challenges, and the first couple get a little repetitive because you're seeing a lot more contestants. And I think they knew that, which is why they didn't really show half the crowd. So when they advanced to the next round, that's when they did the second half of the profiles. But once again, some of these games are a little too repetitive to the point of i i still am confused why like the i there's still a few fumbling blocks with the show so in this episode which is the one episode i usually review after two episodes not one but this episode there's multiple different challenges there's length challenges height challenges speed challenges different challenges like basically Similar to akin to Fear Factor, but instead of, you know, scary, spooky, it's supposed to be just you're falling in the water. Like, what are theme things based around water that we can go with? So, surfing challenge, uh, the big balloon challenge where you flip around challenge, um, accuracy water throwing challenges, things like that. Uh, which, by the way, is not that bad of an idea. That actually is kind of a clever challenge mechanic i think that it's perfect for summer because when you think water parks and summer and all this other fun in the sun if covid wasn't a thing and water parks were open this would have been an okay show to debut watching it now you're kind of watching this going like uh is this like an okay show this is kind of like feels like ultimate tag where there's a ten thousand dollar default now unlike ultimate tag this is on usa network not really nbc uh, so this is cable game show min- minimum. This is the uh, the the chopped winners purse of ten thousand um, dollars. But but Cannonball is kind of uh, smart in in the challenges. The first game was basically go down the slide, and whoever uh, is the furthest from like a ramp wins. And the ones that were the furthest, like closest to the slide, are eliminated. And I'm like, okay, that's a clever game. Game two uh, was a challenge where it was basically uh, going on a log roll like on MXC and trying to land closest to a target platform. Whoever's closest to this little foam like buoy wins. And then the third game was they're they're surfing and it's like whoever's close like furthest in in the surf zone wins. But if you touch the board, there's a penalty like that's okay that's a clever challenge because it's like a surfboard zipline thing neat fourth game was basically the cheapest game i can think of they put a fire hose on a foam buoy for safety and they told the contestants hang on to the fire hose and treat it like a rodeo that's it uh that was like the weakest of the games fun to watch but still the weakest of the games and then finally, 
was the final challenge where whoever won this wins the ten thousand dollars out of out of the, the the remaining contestants and it was a get the furthest from the from an even bigger slide while also getting the most height because it's height plus distance wins because you're making a cannonball this time they're pretty much trying to tell you to do a cannonball and that's like okay that's the game that's the game so some were slapsticky some were silly but they all involved just you fall in the water and at no point the haha they fell in the water was the the joke the haha was impact fallen water or something about their occupation akin to wipeout which also felt kind of cheap and also still kind of did not really explain like what was the purpose of the show then i i think they were on the right track in some regards like i'm not gonna say like this was like the worst damn show ever but they kind of screwed the pooch to say the least on a few of the games now uh i mean like it, it's kind of just weird to explain um obviously people are trying to find that wipeout a new wipeout wipeout obviously coming soon to uh tbs so, uh, so the, there's already going to be a new wipeout but this was not like that bad of a show but it felt like they put too many contestants in this show and felt like they did not really trust the contestants to be themselves so they had to do characters and some things felt like they wanted to go for a wipeout clone, then try and create their own sports themed show. That I felt like there was maybe two or three producers, and they all had different visions of the show. One wanted slapstick wipeout. One wanted like an actual like sports show with like water effects, and one wanted like a good competition show. Um, and they wanted to replicate the UK format down to a T which thankfully they didn't do, <laughs> uh, that, uh, the, my letter grade is C minus. It's a, it, it's, it's a, you can skip if you want to, but I mean, like if it's there, it's okay to watch. You're, you're not going to really feel stupid watching it, but you're going to watch this and go like, this is television now. Just people falling in water 40 times. Okay. Now, if it, if they were smart, they would have made Cannonball like a team game show and made it like groups of people for points, and whoever has the most points wins the prize at the end. Uh, who cares if four people win ten thousand dollars and you have like four groups of four? That's your sixteen, and then you can have each one play one game or something. Uh, or because they did this weird thing where it was like six to five to four to three, why not just do eight to seven to six to five to four to three? Just go one person gets eliminated each up like round. So it's eight contestants. You save yourself the casting because you're only casting for eight. And then you have like a, a simplistic format instead of trying to figure out like how many people are eliminated per round where it's okay. It's the weakest goes home. Alternatively, and this is another idea I threw out there. Why not you just have it be like a different games for different like prize pools like you you make it so like we now go to the rope like this section where the biggest jump gets a five thousand dollar prize out of this pool of like 20 people and you just start with five and then we'll say and then you just make that the series long challenge like stay come back next week with another five and we'll see who gets the prize um and then you have like 20 or so games so you're you're diving out like a smaller cash prize 
for completing one of the challenges. So that way there will be something more more enticing to watch instead of just like here let's see the same person do like five different games. Like you're just going to see someone do one ch- attempt and that's it and the goal is who can beat that record. That's it. If you got the highest score, you got $5,000. Something like that would have been an easier go around because then you can rep like repeat the same games in multiple episodes but not kind of like make it feel like we're we're just repeating this for the sake of repeat. You're just showing more challenges all at the same time. So maybe there's six games, seven games, eight games going on at once, but you're not going to see a definite winner until like the end of the season when it's like, oh, well, if you remember from week three, so-and-so from Nevada, uh, we were doing the balloon jump and they went 70 feet in the air. So, Uh, That was dangerous. Let's see if someone can beat the 70 feet height. Something like that. Uh, Just like a returning champion kind of thing. Uh, But, I I mean, like, I think they wanted to go for a sports presentation. The Miz obviously wanted to present it like a sports event and then try and do some, some slight snarky kind of commentary, but not the purposes at the expense of the show or at the contestants. Just kind of like a, I think that guy's going to do it. It's going to be fun because because he's not being the Miz character. When I was thinking, oh, it's going to be Mike, the Miz, Mizanin, he's going to show up and do all his like five catchphrases. I'm the Miz. I'm awesome. I came to play uh, and just belittle all the contestants and do heel promos. No, he, he was actually kind of charming and fun in the show. And I think that's kind of the biggest surprise from Cannonball was multiple games instead of three. So the last half of the show didn't feel as repetitive as it was. And Mike's hosting ability was actually not that bad. I don't know if this is really the right show for him, though. But uh, it's, it's, it's a fine show. I think they need to retool a lot of the challenges, a lot of the games. And if they wanted to, they should have emphasized, like, go full on in the, this is like the fun water park. Make it an aspirational show. Like, this is just the fun water park. This is the kind of, like, things you want to, you wish you could be doing at an actual water park. Like, going down the big slide and falling into water, splashing into this. This is the Daredevil show. This is for stun. This is the fun show. Fun, fun, fun. This is not, like, the scary show. This is not a comedy show. This is the fun, fun, fun show. Um, and they kind of didn't really go full on in the water park theme. I was expecting if they were going to do a water park theme with the show, they were going to go 100% into it, like more palm trees, tiki torches, even though we know tiki torches have kind of gotten a bad rap in the last few years. Hawaiian, More Hawaiian shirts, even though a lot of them wore Hawaiian shirts, including Simon. Um, probably some, some more, more tropical drinks. Uh, go for more Hawaiian theming, even though this was clearly filmed in Southern California. Uh, but, but stuff like that is all that, that it's necessary for Cannonball to work. If you can just either figure out a way to make more challenges at once or limit the amount of contestants so you don't just do the same splash, splash, splash game for the first two, for the first half of the show, you might actually have a successful show in your hands. It's one of those quiet, silent, uh, cult classics that can be on for five, six, seven years. Because, let's face it, a show like Chopped has kind of started out as like an, oh, I don't know. 
uh, but it slowly became the cult phenomenon. Same thing with RuPaul's Drag Race. It's just that first two seasons, I don't know. But because they retooled and they figured out what they wanted, the show became a success. So if Cannonball can somehow like figure out how to truncate the, the contestant pool, add more challenges, be more clever and crafty with the challenges, and make it more like these people are having fun, everyone's happy, fun, 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 instead of scared, screamy, scary, or being a goofy cartoon character, uh, it would be a fun show. Like, like you don't have to full-on go with, like, here's the surfer bro, dude, because he's surfer bro, and we have to say, he's surfer bro. No, you can just go, like, no, that's, that's David. Go, David. We are rooting for you. That's it. That's all you got to do. This has been Cannonball. C-, uh, pun intended. They were carefully selected for their questionable athleticism, dedication to their craft, and consistent disregard for golf etiquette. That is an illegal swing. To battle it out one-on-one on the most famous mini golf course ever created for all of Rooster Teeth's glory. Whoa! 16 competitors, four rounds, one champion. All right! All playing for the coveted hardcore mini golf jacket. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the first ever hardcore mini golf. So Rooster Teeth has a brand new funny game show called Hardcore Mini Golf. It's on the Rooster Teeth website. I don't know why I'm covering this. Most of the time I kind of skip internet game shows because most of the time they're either fabricated or just kind of challenge videos or some app game. And it's like, I'm not downloading an app just to review a game show. Um, but but like if it's internet series, like it's streaming, Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, I'm getting ahead of myself. So Rooster Teeth, uh, they're the red versus blue people. They're the Ruby people. They're owned by Warner Brothers now headquartered in austin they do let's play videos and achievement hunter and all that um and i i actually kind of enjoyed one of their later series called hardcore tabletop where they brought on six friends i guess to play just a game of monopoly and they edited to be like a quick like a fun little event series um where they're playing with, I guess, their own board and it's like their own inside references. I never understood that, but the presentation of it was pretty good. Um, except for like they tried to focus on the characters and let's do characters and character bits, and I just I think that's the dumbest thing they can do. And it's, it's sometimes it's grating when I saw that, but it's like okay, well, it, it, the f- overall presentation was fine. And clearly, they just wanted to lighten the mood. They didn't want to make it serious. So they had characters. Um, and this is a personality-driven website. I'm assuming Rooster Teeth just wants to be personality-based, like all the other YouTubers you know and love, which I fucking despise, but that's beside the point. Um, internet's weird. I, I don't really want to be internet personality. I would rather be known for, like, writing, hosting a podcast about game shows. <laughs> acting hosting would be fun too um producing producing also but that's not the way the internet works in rooster teeth it's that's all it is you're you're all of the above of that and this is a show based on mini golf when i first heard they're doing a mini golf show my immediate thought was oh they're fucking ripping off holy moly 
because they already did a ripoff of Documental and Last One Laughing. It's 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 a bad show. I didn't review it because I felt like th- it was beneath me, and plus, like I think it was too obvious. This is a ripoff. Like it wasn't even like it was just on the nose. Like you laugh, you lose. You're out. Okay, but this this was it. This is a different mini golf game show. So the premise is it's head-to-head competitions like Holy Moly, but versus Holy Moly where it's sudden death and it's slapsticky, silly, silly, they fall in the water, go boom. Um, this is played as like regular-ass mini golf. Like there's nine holes. Whoever has the lowest score after nine holes advances. But three of the nine holes have quote-unquote power-ups which if you put your ball through a little like tunnel with like a mini game show curtain you get to sabotage organ advantage uh your opponent so they lose their club and they have to do this or they have to putt blindfolded or they have to putt with a ball bearing which is heavy or they have to putt uh a swirly chair some some sort of one of those and I think it's it, it, it's like some are clever, some aren't so clever. All of it, very low-budget cheap, but that's the internet. It's a notoriously cheap thing. One of the holes is the $100 hole, and if they can make a hole-in-one in the $100 hole, they get $100. They work at the company, so this is kind of weird. All of the contestants are employees at the company. So it's like, am I, what? What's this about? Um, the grand prize is, I believe, one thousand is one thousand dollars, if I'm not mistaken. So it's it's also very cheap of a grand prize as well. Um, but like the obviously they wanted it to be, uh, they had heart. They're trying to make a heart. They're trying to put like they tried to think logistically like how a show like this would work uh, they went to a local Austin mini golf place and then we're gonna play with these holes is that okay absolutely and it's all head-to-head games and there were three in the first episode um and one is a trail off to like see what happens at the end of the next episode which is okay but everyone is a fucking character and I don't mean that like in the wipeout sense, like, well, I'm the pizza delivery guy and I work as a pizza delivery guy. So we have to do all the pizza puns or delivery puns or the, the... no, I mean, like they're going to fucking dress up like, I guess, a Call of Duty soldier or as an angry chef stereotype or a Southern Belle. I don't know why any of these things other than maybe they're just kind of like for the fans kind of like a you get it because of a reference from a podcast or a video i don't know i'm just i'm just throwing it out there because that's all i can assume but like it's it sucks it's really shit like it it almost comes across like someone had this like really bold vision for a mini golf challenge show that would be fun and interesting and then three different hands got a hold of it and made it the dumbest fucking thing ever. And they said, yeah, but let's not take it seriously at all. It's all for fun. And when they said, well, let's just have fun with it, they really just shat on it and made it like one of the most unwatchable shows I have possibly ever seen. Now, is it fully unwatchable? No. 
it, it, there's still mini golf commentary with uh, Jeff and Jack, uh, Jeff Ramsey and and Jack, whatever your last name is. Um, and they're 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 not bad. It's 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 Austin, Texas. Clearly, like clearly, they wanted it to be kind of like a fun mix match couple, and they're both like, "Eh, this is silly." And I remember watching them doing like Achievement Hunter Pig like ten years ago with like Halo Two, and it kind of had that same chemistry, but without them playing the level. So whenever there was a course hole, and it's kind of like, "Oh, get the ball from this and bounce," they were kind of going like, "Well, there's a trick to it, and they're just not following the trick," um, or they're playing very dry witted commentary of like yes this is why we're doing this it's also raining right now and we are basically in a glorified lemonade stand like things like that are kind of like the comedy of the show which is actually fine like that's why it's not fully unwatchable but this has the same this reminds me of hurl on g4 more than it should this screams like we got a wet like we just took a camcorder and we just filmed the, the mini golf show and call it a day. When I know that the production team at Rooster Teeth does a great job with lighting, a great job with sound, a great job with all sorts of different uh, environments when it comes to making a show, that either they had to rush this production because they knew COVID was hitting and they wanted to get this done quickly, or they filmed this in advance and there was nothing else to air, so they couldn't have the post-production time to let simmer and figure out what's the right clips to use. Or they could have maybe had the idea, and all this bullshit happened with the show, and they had different character gimmicks and different holes or repetitive holes, and then they realized, oh shit, this is kind of like dull. How can we make it exciting? Because this show should have worked. Like, on paper reading the formula it works i don't care that the price is like a thousand bucks or a hundred dollar hole it's the fucking internet doesn't matter but like it's this like it's weird to explain it's it's i think it's the personality driven part of the show it's probably the fact that like some of these people did not give a shit to, to be there that it felt like they were just there by force so which you're kind of watching like what's the labor laws like at rooster teeth where they're forced to do a shitty mini golf show and they don't care uh that to me it's like if they don't care to like play like why should i watch other than they don't give a shit about mini golf so that's funny haha because if they don't care about the game play i the viewer don't give a shit either and that's kind of the big negative with the show it felt like someone had heart and everyone shat all over it and if I created the show and pitched it to Rooster TV and I picked up and saw this as the result, I'd be a mix of either depressed or furious or angry or some mixture of all sorts of emotions because this sucked. This was one, like, I would have to post this to be like, this is why I hate internet shit. This is why I don't like YouTube. This is why I don't like personality-driven content because if this is what I have to do 24-7, I would hate it someone would be like hey jordan we're filming a mini golf game show you're forced to do this shit where's a silly costume go putt no what the fuck no um and it's the whole idea is to generate content because you're a website that has to have 
new content every day so you can have ad content and sell merchandise because that's how internet content is made nowadays you used to have to make very little content make it like, like weekly and you would get enough like to pay the rent and that'd be fun but because youtube and because of the saturated market we live in you have to make maybe two three content per day if you want to just step up um that hardcore mini golf it's fine it could be worse it could be better but cannonball's a much better show than hardcore mini golf if like like cannonball's a c-minus show because it's so repetitive and they focus so much on the wrong content with hardcore mini golf they have the right content but the wrong actors the wrong players they didn't take it enough seriously for us to really care to the point of it's a useless show it's just like it, it might as well have been a show called eh, fuck who cares and this new game show called eh, fuck who cares uh it's just they just try and make a game show but uh eh, fuck who cares like there's no questions eh, fuck who cares are they going to do like practical jokes and eh, fuck who cares is there any questions eh fuck who cares Maybe they're going to do like improv comedy, like on their other show on the spot. Nah, fuck who cares? Because that's what it feels like. It feels like, ah, fuck who cares? Just who fucking cares? I don't fucking care. Who fucking cares? And when that's the reaction, don't do it. Just scrap it. But obviously they wouldn't scrap it because content is content. They have to air it. And this is a game show because there's a cash prize. There's treated like a game show because of power-ups, treated like lifelines. You have commentary akin to Holy Moly, but I would say that Jack and Jeff are actually very fun people. And I mean, like, the thing is, it's like, I don't hate, like, the people who are on the show. It just feels like no one wants to be there, except for maybe, like, five people. In which case, why don't you just have the five people play golf and go through 18 holes or something? Because uh, this this sucked. And I wish I could recommend you watch it, but I just say stay stay cl- unless you are a fan of Rooster Teeth content, stay away from hardcore mini golf. My letter grade is a D plus. And that's so means we're out of time. That's gonna do it for us. So thank you. Next next time we're gonna do more game shows, I suppose. Just I don't know why am I'm just I'm I'm in a rut right now. I don't know why. I, I haven't even hit stop record. Like I love talking game shows. Uh but you ever have like that feeling of like no one's hearing you and you're recording this and it just kind of feels like what's the point? And then you you have like that weird head th- trauma where it's like, well no one's listening to you. Why you put so much effort into a show? that clearly no one listens to. It's going to be two hours long. No one's going to listen to this. And then you just kind of just, like, get really, like, upset for some reason. And, like, I know, like, there's, like, other game show podcasts out there. I did not know there were other. I mean, there were a few. But I think there's, like, now at least a dozen. Like, a dozen game show podcasts. So now it's that head trip of, like, are are should I stop now? Because there's like other game show podcasts. They can like pick up where you left off, and you can just like leave and go eat nachos and and take a nap, uh, and fix your 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 sad slumps. Um, or are you in competition? And this is supposed to be some sort of competition thing, even though 
you know, most of the people who do the podcasts, uh, that your head is kind of like in a real messed up spot. I don't know. It's just, I know that's not what I want to end the show on. Usually in the show with like, you know, check it out. Twitter.com slash Jordha and Patreon.com slash Jordan Haas and follow the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Game Shows Podcast. Um, we're on Amazon. We're on Spotify and Stitcher and Google Play and uh, Apple Podcasts and all those other places. And, but it's like, do, do, is the call to action really worth it if no one listens? Like, I don't know. I I think like this is a non-existent podcast. I think I am living in like a weird world where this is kind of like a, a talk to myself situation, kind of like when I first started. Which is not bad, because it's like, oh, if no one listens, I can really say whatever the hell I want. But at the same time, you're putting too much effort in something that no one cares what you have to say. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what 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 else to do. Um, so I'm not ending the show for the record. Next week we are gonna be doing some episodes. I think next week is a great episode. I think we're talking about uh. Wheel of Fortune next week, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, but also, not only that, like we have a lot of episodes in the in the recording archive uh, for for the upcoming week. We're on our way to the 100th episode, and I don't think anyone's going to celebrate the 100th episode. I think it's going to be like you made 100 episodes of this shit, really. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so so I'm kind of in a thought process of of just like, should I just like stop while I'm like at a hundred? Should I stop when I'm at the end of the year? Should I just continue this never-ending quest to talk about every game show? Because eventually, there's going to be shows that no one's ever heard of that I've heard of, and it's like, well, someone has to talk about Cram on GSN. Someone has to talk about Gonzo games on the USA Network. And it's just like, is that is that me? Is that going to be my fate in this, or or is do I just call call it quits? I I mean, it's something I enjoy doing, something I enjoy talking about, but at the same time, I don't I don't think it's worth the effort. I mean, I might as well just keep this shit to myself. I mean, like it, it, the Eurovision episode. Clearly, I do not know much about Eurovision. I know you know only know some things. But at the same time, I'm fascinated by game shows. They bring us all together. They're little time capsules of the past. Let you know what was socially acceptable in the time. What was the code like in this, in the time period? What was like the big innovations in technology and prizes at the time? Uh, different countries and how they handle the customs of a game show. They're all fascinating things, and like I love talking about those situations. But at the same time. I, I think it's just too niche. I, I maybe that's the the issue here, or maybe people just dislike me. I I honestly just think it's just personal reasons. I I, I don't think the podcast sucks. I just think people just don't like me. It's fine. Um, but if you like me, follow me on Twitter at Jordha J O R D H A, and like the podcast on Facebook.com slash Game Shows Pod. Uh, next week we're talking Wheel of Fortune, which is a game show, I suppose. Uh, until then, uh, have a great night and big smooch. Mwah.